Sorry, just doing a dish. That's one big advantage of uh, dogs. You never need to do the dishes. Gonna have a lot of fun. Gonna hit a hum run. And the littlest league possible. In the littlest league possible. Gonna make a big Hello and welcome once again to the Potato Podcast. I'm Tim. I'm Duncan. And today we'll be talking about Minnesota Twins super utility player, Williams Astadio. You threw uh, me, sorry, you threw me all the way off there when you called it the Potato Podcast. I was so ready for my part. Every time we do it, I'm like, I got to say I'm Duncan fast enough. Um, And I was like, I was sitting there, I was like, I know exactly what he's going to say. And you said Potato Podcast, and I was thrown for an absolute loop. Can I tell you that in my head I've been calling the show the Potato Podcast for about a month and a half now? <laughs> what spurred that? I don't know. I, I I think at at first it probably did start out as kind of a stutter in my head because uh, tater tots is it's it's a word that you can stumble over. It's a phrase that you can stumble over. Sure. Um, and somehow I mean I just like relengthened the word the word tater. In my like, uh, Porky Pig esque stutter, to potato. Right. And then you gotta have the alliteration. So. Potato podcast. Potato, po- potato podcast. Well, maybe when Orida comes after us, yeah. that's what we can call the podcast. <laughs> the generic um, potato podcast. Uh yeah maybe. It's really weird that one slang for home run is, I and mean, we probably talked about this enough. At some point on a pot on a prior episode, that the slang for home run is just potato. I don't know that we've specifically talked about this. It is weird. Why is it called that? So the reason that I think that we've talked about this is because I have, like, I seem to remember thinking and maybe expressing to you out loud at one point that the reason is because a baseball looks like a peeled potato, kind of. Uh huh. Here's my where my head went. I'm thinking about mashed taters. That's something that you mash. Right. You mash a baseball much like you might mash a tater. Right. That's another approach. Um, both both seem perfectly... I mean, like, they're as good as anything else, right? Like, you, you can call a home run pretty much anything at this point. It won't matter. There, I can think of at least one other baseball term that is just the name of a food for no reason, and that is a can of corn. Can of corn. That's a more generalized term. I also, I don't know why, but can of corn is just like, I've heard that across sports that require catching. Interesting. Okay. I mean, maybe it came from one sport originally. I think it came from baseball originally. Yeah. Uh, if, if Google is any indication. It, but that makes sense because it feels very applicable to other sports. This article posted to Y101, the tri-state's biggest variety, uh, on May 18th, 2017. Where did the baseball saying a can of corn come from? Um, when it comes to purchasing food, the United States leads the way in the safe distribution of food to the public. Safety measures are taken in packaging and delivery as well. Got me thinking about the pioneer days when people didn't have the safeguards for storing food like we have now. What the hell? This is not at all about baseball. There are four paragraphs in this baseball, I mean in this in this article, and most of them are not about. So that was paragraph one. Paragraph two reads, we have it so good today. If we want food, we go to the local con- county market, Walmart, Aldi's, or Hy-Vee food store and purchase it. 
those are now mega grocery stores. I remember growing up in New York with a neighborhood grocery store in the corner, like Winking's Grocery Store in Quincy. <laughs> there would be another quote-unquote small grocery store on another corner a few blocks away. The lone grocer would be there to assist you with whatever you needed. They also used every bit of space they could to store the items in their store as well. If you wanted a canned good, you would ask the grocer to get it for you, and he would reach up with a cane-like instrument and pull it down off of the elevated shelf and catch it and then hand it to you. And now you know where the saying by baseball broadcasters of that's a can of corn came from when an outfielder camps under a ball to under a fly ball to catch it. Okay. With the season underway, yeah. be listening for St. Louis Cardinal Mike Sh- broadcaster Mike Shannon to say that's a can of corn from time to time. And I guarantee after reading this today, you will remember its origin. I love the folksiness of this uh, of this little article. Me too. I don't really buy it. Right. It makes sense as an etymology, but it seems the author didn't present any evidence that it was the actual etymology. Yeah, very folksy overall. Uh, but you know, it makes as much sense as anything. Uh, MLB also has that. Uh, when 19th century clerks at grocery stores and general stores were looking for an easier way to reach canned goods on high shelves, they started using long, high, long hooked sticks to pull them down. After dropping the cans toward them, they would catch them in their aprons, just like a fly ball. Well, maybe it's true. Just like a fly ball. Not not exactly like a fly ball. It's a baseball. Yeah. Not I a mean, can. I guess I, I buy it. Yeah, yeah, Inside idioms from the MLB glossary of idioms. Okay. All right, all right. Butcher boy. Can you guess what butcher boy means? Butcher boy. I think I've heard this. But I don't know what I've it is. I've never heard. There's like a short list of... Uh, uh, of inside idioms here that I recognize very easily, but... Butcher boy is not one that I've ever heard. <clears throat> Apparently, a butcher boy is a batter who squares around to bunt, only to pull the back bat back and make a short downward swing. I'm glad there's a term for that. Yeah, I but unfortunately, if it came up, I wouldn't have known how to employ it. I don't think... Like, I feel like it probably would be more valuable to have a term for the swing itself and not for a person who 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 does the swing. That's true. That seems more useful. But it would also hmm. be more useful, I think, if you were watching baseball in the uh, 30s. Yeah. When people bunted. Yeah. And Most specifically did like wacky stuff coming out of bunts. Tomahawk chopping and butcher boys and whatnot. Most of these are kind of regular. Ace around the horn. Baltimore chop. Bush league. Cellar. Chin music. File and trial, K, Maddox, Mendoza line, opener, painting the black, pickle, seeing eye single, southpaw, Texas leaguer, tools of ignorance, the hot stove, three true outcomes, and walk off are the list of inside idioms that we have on offer from MLB. Yeah, I know what most of those mean. I don't know that I know the etymology for all of them. Uh, I like tools of ignorance because it's so morbid. Mean, I think. Um, Not very nice. Do you think that it refers to the idea that stupid people catch or that catching makes you stupid? Uh, well, I'm sorry that I clicked this because I would have liked to have guessed before finding the answer. Um, but I did find the answer. Um, it says that the term is meant to point out the irony that a player with the intelligence needed to be effective behind the plate would be foolish enough to play such a position. Mm. I I guess I always interpret it to mean... It just referred to the way that you get many concussions as a catcher, uh, and it affects your cognitive abilities. That's kind of cool. I mean, I like it. I like it. 
I think it's my favorite baseball idiom because it, it, I think it's poetic in the sense that it's a string of words that don't have any particular meaning yeah. when put together in that way. Yeah. Uh, but I like it. Yeah, I love a baseball, a piece of baseball equipment being referred to as a tool as well. Yeah. They're all tools, but it's, it makes you evaluate them differently to think of them in those terms. For sure. Um, before we got started on our Todd of the Week, I, I, I wanted to uh, get uh, an update from you on um, how your sleep schedule is. Mm. Well, there was no game this morning, uh-huh. uh, so I got to sleep until like 7.30. That's the oh, best nice. I can do, because <laughs> my sleep <laughs> schedule is all goof from getting up at 4.30 a.m. to watch uh, Korean baseball. Uh, I've, I've been waking up to watch the entirety of the Korean series, because my beloved dinos are in it, and it's been rough. Like, I don't regret it, obviously. I'm doing it for fun. Um, But it has made me feel pretty terrible on occasion. Uh, The worst day was on Friday when I did, you know, in Korea they had a night game followed by a day game, and how that manifested on the American East Coast was a game at 4.30 followed by a game that night at midnight. Um, So I did uh, take a nap after work, which is something I I wasn't sure I'd be able to do, and I think that that helps. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that because I I also I also wasn't sure if you had gotten uh, arrested between those games because honestly that sounded like a pretty grueling schedule. Um, I'm glad you took a nap though. Yeah, me uh, too. Me too. Probably the reason I was able to is because uh, you had woken uh, up at four thirty. I woke up at four thirty just in general. Even though I'm going to bed earlier, I'm still not getting as much sleep as I usually do. Uh, to watch the games at 4.30. But it's been a lot of fun. Are they talking about the games? They are. That that's a, big... a great thing. That's that's yeah. what I want to say is that uh, they've really narrowed their focus through the playoffs. They're actually talking about the baseball games, which is great. Because I lo- the entire Korean se- season, I've really been enjoying that they're looser, right? I think mm. the actual commentators on regular baseball games could stand to be looser. They make a lot of jokes. They're not wearing uh, suits. Right. They talk about drinking coffee and stuff. Um, but through a lot of the season, especially after the MLB season started, they would just have guests on to talk about MLB a lot, but sometimes yeah. also just like to talk about college football. Um, and most of a game would be talking to unrelated guests, which I found a little irksome. That's what was difficult for me getting sort of like hooked on it. Um, was that I didn't feel like I was gaining anything from listening to these people talk. Oh, significantly, I should say, they brought in Daniel Kim as a full-time co-host, and he's like their KBO insider. He lives in Seoul. Um, So that's been, I think, a real big improvement. Okay, Uh, but uh, hey, the KBO will be on for at least, uh, at the time that you're listening to this podcast, maybe one more game. Uh, Give it a look. Yeah, (laughs) we'll see how fast I can edit, sure. I don't want to put any pressure on you. <laughs> Wait, will they play? The The schedule has them playing Monday and Tuesday. I think, I mean, we'll see. Uh, more than likely, it'll go a, a seventh game, and then they probably have Wednesday off. I'm not actually sure. Maybe they will tie the next two games. Hey. Um, hey. There's a game on Wednesday, actually. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, games five, Wait, six, and seven all... are three games in a row here. Sheesh. Well. It's all coming down to this. Bears Dinos on ESPN News. All right, but enough about that. We got a tater tot this week, and the tater tot is a viral sensation 
uh, Minnesota twin, super utility player, catcher, third baseman. He does it all. He's Williams, 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 Astudillo. Um, we'll talk about that clip in a little bit. That is the, in my head, that's the definitive way to pronounce his name. Williams Astudillo uh, was born on the Caribbean coast of Venezuela in Barcelona, Venezuela, to a baseball playing family. His father, Williams Astudillo, um, played shortstop, which is ironic because that's the only position that Williams Astudillo has yet to take up um, in his major league career um, in, in the Venezuelan league is where Williams applied his trade. Um, the legends all have it, um, and it's been confirmed by Williams, I think, in interviews, um, that as a youngster, he would uh, take BP from his dad using a broomstick as a bat, uh, and his dad would just flick corn kernels at him. <laughs> and he would take BP with corn kernels. Um, it's a tremendous part of his legend. It. I don't know that if everyone trained this way, they would learn to make contact with everything thrown at them, but at least you can tell yourself that. It's certainly like it, there's there's a real through line to between the corn kernels uh, in Venezuela and to where Williams is currently, which is and you're gonna have to help me through the stats because I, I I I was looking at K rates uh, till my hair turned blue uh, last night and like, I I I this is not my it's it's kind of outside my realm of. I mean, listen, okay, let's start here. I mean, I just, uh, I do want to butt in to say your hair looks nice, though, so. maybe. Thank you, I dyed it. it back. Uh, <laughs> uh, Williams has been uh, here in uh, the Ameri- American uh, baseball leagues for 11 seasons now, uh, across minor and major leagues, um, and his uh, strikeout percentage currently sits at 3.3%, uh, which means that he has struck out 96 times total in uh, 2,881 uh, played appearances now so where we want to kind of get into the granular detail is because uh, there is discussion of williams estudio as like the the one who is meant to uh, save baseball from the tyranny of the three true outcomes because in addition to not striking out very much at all he also doesn't walk very much he just puts lots and lots of balls in play um and the balls the balls in play stats are really where i kind of start to lose my grip um, um, it, it says here that he is the hardest player to strike out in major league history by a full two percentage points. Um, and now I have a redirect notice. Oh no. Uh, oh no, that was a, a little table that I pulled up. Uh, so I pulled up some stats from fangraphs.com on strikeout percentage relative to the league. Um, it's important to understand that Williams Estadio, he does this in the context of an all time high strikeout rate. Despite that, he is the number one hardest person to strike out in comparison to the rest of the league in history and as tim says by two percentage points meaning that the second guy on this list uh whose name i'm forgetting do you have it pulled up yeah it's nelly fox nelly fox is at 20 20 percent as compared to williams's 18 percent throughout all of major league history williams is uh he's, he's he's absolutely unique doesn't strike out doesn't walk and he puts the ball in play tons I, I pulled out a couple of extra things here. In His plate appearances result in a strikeout or a walk less than one-sixth as often as the MLB average. And for his entire career, he has eight home runs, seven walks, and 13 strikeouts. He has more home runs than he has walks, barely more strikeouts than he has home runs. And again, that's across parts of three seasons he's struck out 13 times in the MLB. Uh, and as Tim said, uh, only 96 strikeouts across... 
almost 3000 plate appearances just remarkable his plate of uh, is is his vision at the plate is unparalleled yeah and you know th- there's there's a loose connection to be made between the corn kernels and the plate vision but um again in interviews he's been asked about that and he has said that it's not something that he like makes a point of focusing on uh or has ever made a point of focusing on it's just his game um which i think is even more interesting because i think that like especially now there's just so much uh 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 like micro attention paid to every single aspect of everyone's like on-field performance down to you know your shoelaces or whatever and have like somebody be like so like how do you explain this particular like this very specific success and for him to be like uh uh the legend grows um, I think this we'll talk- ties in with something that we'll talk about later, but Williams Astadio's frame, um, yes. his his body being so different kind of necessitates him playing in a different way. Mm. But we'll, we'll dive into uh, that. Yes, we will right now. Um, Williams, as I mentioned, has been uh, around major league organizations uh, since 2009. Um, he spent his first nine seasons as a professional baseball player in different minor league organizations um before finally uh getting the the call from the big club in minnesota uh only two years ago in 2018 um a lot of people attribute the long minor league stint um to as duncan mentioned his frame uh which is remarkably average he is a five foot nine 225 pound person uh he is not at all like the image of an athlete that you would have in your mind um Although of a baseball player, maybe. Less and um, less so. I mean, that's one of the things that's so uh, interesting about Estadio is there is this idea, true or not, that people are less able to identify with uh, baseball stars because they're all Aaron Judge-shaped. Um, mm. And Williams Estadio is perhaps a return to some of the unusual-shaped baseball players he used to get in the in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, and I mean, he's always, like, had... It's, it's pretty clear, and, like, if you talked... If you read, like, interviews with... Twins front office people, baseball ops people, they they always talk about like the upside. That's pretty obvious in spite of like bad body stuff, um, which is like something that's cursed baseball discourse. I mean, I, it, as far back as like if you read Moneyball, that's like a big part of how why the Moneyball strategy was successful is because they embraced uh, quote unquote bad body players. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I think in addition to like you're saying, like in addition to the fact that his play style is a little different. I think a big part of the reason that he has the spotlight that he has at this point is in spite of the body, um, which I'm a little iffy about because on the one hand, I think that there's like some weird, like body shaming stuff that I'm not nuts about in like, cause it's, you know, it's it, it, sometimes it boils down to, are you laughing with him or at him? Mm-hmm. Um, but it also kind of feeds this narrative that uh, exists in Minnesota and is also like more broadly speaking, a pretty popular narrative in like small market sports franchises about like every every person, the the like the Joe Schmo who succeeds and is like embraced because he is just like you and me, um, which does warm my heart a little bit. Uh, uh, Williams specifically um uh, signed onto uh, uh, the Philadelphia minor league system as a 17-year-old 
um, in 2009 <clears throat> and spent the next three seasons across a couple of their rookie uh, league affiliates uh, before finally getting called up to A-ball in 2014. Um, with Philadelphia, he made it as high as advanced A as their advanced A affiliate in Clearwater uh, before being granted his free agency um, in 2014. Um, just to really hammer home this K the, the, the strikeout rate statistics, uh, in 2014 in Clearwater, he led all minor leaguers, uh, with a strikeout rate of 2.4%. Um, in the next season, he signed a one-year deal, uh, with Atlanta, uh, and made the climb up to double a, uh, their affiliate in Mississippi. I think they're in Jackson. I don't know. Uh, again, he led all minor leaguers in strikeout rate this time with a 3.2%. Um, he signed like a bunch of one-year deals, and I don't I don't know if if that's just like what it is to be a minor leaguer is to you know at some, like if you're just like an amateur free agent that you're just kind of stuck on these these one-year deals, or if that's all the chance that anybody was willing to give him. I think that's how it um, works when you're a minor league free agent is that you take a one-year deal. I think it makes both most sense for both parties because teams don't want to be given out a bunch of security to uh, what they see as a fungible player and a player doesn't want to lock themselves into a long-term deal if they're going to get good right and if they're going to be like if it's not like a, if it doesn't turn out to be like a, 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 a advantageous scenario if you're blocked or something yeah i don't know if of anyone ever getting a multi-year minor league contract no I, th- I think that you probably don't until you anyways uh in 2017 he did sign another one-year deal um to uh, play for Arizona's AAA affiliate, uh, which is in Reno. Um, and that season, he led all high minor leaguers to double and AAA batters uh, with a 3.9 strikeout percentage. Um, <clears throat> and then leading up to 2018, uh, he went ahead and signed uh, his last minor league deal with Minnesota to join their AAA affiliate in Rochester. And yet again, uh, he led all high minor leaguers double and AAA batters in strikeout rate, again, hitting that magic 2.4 percent number the one we all strive for yeah i think that we can all say we look ourselves in the mirror every day and say i uh am kind i'm smart i'm important and gosh darn it i strike out uh at a clip of 2.4 percent of all my plate appearances yeah i wrote it in my mirror uh in reverse (laughs) in lipstick (laughs) yeah (laughs) i yeah um uh, and yeah, for a while, I mean, that's kind of all he had to go on to sell himself as a as a as a viable prospect for a major league team. Which, to be clear, um, is not nothing. Um, no, the projection not. systems. I mean, you were just talking about this, but scouts were not very high in Willing Castillo because of his body. Um, but projections had him as being worth like a three to four win player, very valuable, mostly because of his contact abilities. Um, a big part of whether you get on base is just whether you put the ball in play. And if you do that right. a ton, you're just going to inherently get a lot of base hits. And that was what was happening with Williams. Um, so at this point, a lot of the stat headier types were clamoring for Williams to get a call up. It doesn't, it, the, the only thing about it though, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later, but it, it doesn't strike me as being a very sustainable way to get on base. Um, hmm. And like the low walk rate, I feel like, if it hasn't already, it might at some point come back to bite him. I mean, obviously, it's not good to have a low walk rate. It's very good to have a low strikeout rate. Um, yeah. His skill set is not neither 100% good nor 100% bad. Um, no. Which is why he's, you know, he's not a major league regular, even after proving himself in the big leagues to some extent. Do you know how he proved himself in the big leagues? Uh, by becoming a meme. Um, Honestly? 
It helps. It really does. I think that that frustrates certain parties about, I think maybe across professions. Like, I, if you, like, read a lot of, like, postmortem stuff about, like, this most recent election, I think there's a lot of frustration uh, from the center left that uh, 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 there seems to be a, a need to prioritize being uh, viral, going viral. But there is currency to that. Uh, as Williams Astadio could attest, he got his uh, call up uh, to Minnesota in 2018, as I mentioned. But before he was called up, um, he got himself a little highlight by making a no-look pickoff throw during spring training while, 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 while playing among major leaguers. Like This was an opportunity for him to get some footage, and he certainly made the most of it. Here's Greg Bird looking for his first hit and looking for his first extra base hit of the spring. Tried to check his swing, but he goes around, and it's strike. The throw to first is in time to pick off the pinch runner, and that is Shane Robinson. So Astradillo makes his presence known by picking off the pinch runner at first base. Wow. First of all, the phone booth hack from Bird. Wow. <laughs> Robinson just, wow, caught flat-footed. Oh, caught napping. That's embarrassing. Uh, it is a very cool play, um, but it is not the like the shining spotlight moment for William Williams by any strands. Um, one thing I will say about this clip, uh, to me, part of the legend of Williams Astadio is that I, I had heard of him at this point when he uh, made this throw in spring training, but I saw this GIF or video or whatever I saw and didn't realize it was Williams Astadio. Um, and at that point he wasn't so big in my mind that I would have been super excited that it was, but later in the season when he had had several more viral moments, uh, it was brought to my attention somehow that this clip was also of him and that built up the legend in my mind that this one man is responsible Mm -hmm. for so many of these viral moments. To be clear, and I'm not sure if I was the, the, the first viral moment came, uh, in Williams is, I guess if he has a natural position, this would be it. Uh, he, t- he tends to split most of his time between catching and playing third base. This play he made uh, behind the plate, uh, um, uh, catching for the Twins against the Yankees in spring training. Um, but he started 2018 uh, back in Rochester, uh, where he executed yet another viral uh, highlight play uh, with a hidden ball trick, which we all love to watch. Uh, so funny. Always funny. Um, it's rude, watch, I think. Uh, do you think so? I think... <laughs> I think if you can pull it off, I mean, you know, God bless. In sixth grade, I got picked off during a practice by the hidden ball trick, and I was very upset. It's humiliating, but I think that's what is so good about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to you. That's really (laughs) frustrating. Uh, But it's the best. It is. It's funny when it happens to major leaguers. When I uh, was a kid, I was playing wiffle ball with my cousins in my backyard, and my aunt was playing with us, and I was playing first base, and she was the runner on first, and she uh, pantsed me and then stole second base. And that's that. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that's so mean. That's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me on a baseball field, which is why I don't feel so bad that you got hit in ball <laughs> No, I can understand why. <laughs> that was humiliating. Yeah. Um, Williams got his first call up. Uh, to uh, to Minnesota uh, on June 30th, 2018. He replaced Eddie Rosario playing left field in the bottom of the fifth of a game against the Cubs. Uh, and in the top of the sixth, he recorded his first major league hit and RBI with a single that drove in Robbie Grossman, cut the Cubs lead down to 9-8. to eight. 
Uh, unfortunately, the Twins would go on to lose that game 14-9. to They were not that good this season. Um, as evidenced in part by the fact that another notable uh, moment for Williams in his rookie season was that he uh, got to make his only appearance on the pitcher's mound. Um, as I previously mentioned, he has played every position on the field but shortstop. He has played pitcher once. He played it in a mop-up role on July 14th. <clears throat> when the Twins uh, trailed the Rays 14-6 in the bottom of the ninth. Unfortunately, he did not help very much. Um, we have two home runs in that inning to Carlos Gomez and Jake Bowers, um, in addition to some other hits. Uh, but he did get all the outs. Um, nobody had to come in for relief of Williams Astadio, which to his, I think is to his credit. Like That's his job. His job that, is not to keep runs from scoring. Yeah. He's a position player pitching. Now, right. Would it be awesome? Would it be excellent if he came in again to pitch and lowered that career ERA a little bit? Yes. Yes, it would. Incredible, be. yes. Yeah. Um, but the fact remains that I think that that this 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 little factlet that I keep bandying about, about Williams, um, having played most every position on the diamond, uh, would kind of have been lessened if he had only made like a partial appearance. But I think the fact that he got all three outs is very much to his credit. Um, as a defensive whiz, as a true super utility player. Um, yeah. Now, li- oh, uh, did you mention the four- 45? Yeah. It's, it's the your career, career ERA is 45. It's not an excellent it's... ERA. No. Uh, but now, uh, listener, please buckle up uh, and hold on to something close um, because here comes Williams' first big moment in the spotlight of uh, on the Major League uh, sort of viral stage. Why don't you slow down um, and really... Read this like you're uh, reading a movie trailer. Can you feel the? Um, can you feel your seat rumbling with the Dolby surround sound um, that we've invested in um, our production? Of this podcast, we spent a lot of money on it. I really hope it's working. Um, <clears throat> it is September twelfth, two thousand eighteen. The Twins are in second place in the AL Central. Uh, Although that is a dubious distinction, as they are sixty-seven and seventy-eight. Was that the one that was the trailing. worst division of all time? I think it was. Yeah. Didn't Cleveland wind up making it pretty far into the postseason that year, though? Yeah, but they were by far the only good team in that division, and every other team was below five hundred. Um, the AL Central in two thousand eighteen was won by Cleveland with a ninety-one and seventy-one record. Uh, yeah, the Twins finished that season in second place, seventy-eight and eighty-four. The Tigers were 64 and 98 in third place. It's not a good division. Two teams lost 100 games. Right. Um, whereas in the AL East, yes, now that you bring this up, I do remember that in AL East there were two teams that won 100 games. Um, those were the Red Sox and the Yankees. Anyways, uh, the Twins were not good. Um, they were not good that season. But on that particular game, they were good. They were facing the Yankees, uh, who, as I mentioned, would go on to win 100 games. Um, and Jake Odorizzi, the pitcher for the Twins at the time, was mowing him down. He had carried a no-hitter into the bottom of the seventh, and the Twins uh, are, at the time of Williams' big moment, leading two to nothing. Uh, Williams has already contributed plenty to that lead at this point. Um, one batter prior, he had singled uh, into center field off of Yankees reliever David Robertson to drive in uh, Jake Cave, uh, and he is followed in the order by Max Kapler when this happens. 
A diving attempt, but no catch by Hicks. Ostadio around third. He's heading home. And the Twins lead three to nothing. Catcher running hard all the way around for him. <laughs> His nickname is what, El Tortugo the Turtle? Um, okay, so a few things to talk about here. The first uh, is that Williams has certainly got got the wheels. Uh, he's got the goods. That was 11.73 seconds from first to home. Um, by my watch, anyways, I can't remember. I, I, I've, I tried to look around for the actual time, and I know that I'd seen it, but I couldn't find it, so I just timed it myself. Huffing and puffing all the way, did the thing that baseball players are supposed to do where they run so hard that they run out of their helmet. Immediately mocked by the play-by-play announcer, um, and also... Um, in the course of doing that, the play-by-play announcer butchers, butchers uh, Williams' nickname. Just merely, like, on, on the grammar of it, uh, to be clear, uh, turtle in Spanish is feminine, takes the feminine form. Uh, so it would be La Tortuga, which is his nickname, um, which he kind of feels, I think, ambivalently about. Um, one of the quotes that he gave um, in, 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 the, in the postgame had to do with wanting to prove that chubby people could run. So I think in in the moment, probably uh, making fun of him for looking like a big turtle, uh, not the not the greatest. Um, yeah, I think that there there is a lot to be said about the way that baseball fandom tends to lionize fat players. Um, but in the case of Williams Estadio, he has seemed to embrace the Las Tortuga nickname. Uh, next in the previous. The year subsequent to this clip and previous to our current year, they had a Williams Estadio Day uh, in which they manufactured La Tortuga t-shirts with a photo of Williams in the face that he so famously makes in this clip as he's running to home, his face is pulled back, his hair is flowing in the wind, and the shirts say La Tortuga, and they presented these to Williams Estadio, and he seemed quite enthusiastic about it. Yeah, and that's my thing is that I think that when it when it's a local thing and it's something that like the fans can really embrace and get behind, it probably does make you feel good as an athlete to have that support. Mm, and I don't know, maybe as like an announcer, it's just kind of your responsibility to bring some kind of color. I don't think the announcers did too bad a job here. Um, I think that it's true, at least from my perspective, that the face that Williams is making as he runs is funny. Um, my favorite... Um, thing about this clip that I think is pointed out in the uh, MLB.com article there um, is that in order to uh, uh, get himself a blow after the fact, uh, Williams plops himself down on the bench uh, right next to Jake Odorizzi, which is um, kind of an unwritten rule that you're not supposed to do that um, while a pitcher has a no-hitter on. Um, Williams don't care. And why should he? He he, he he, He gifted Jake Odorizzi another run to work with. He's doing um, a lot more for Jake Odorizzi's cause than he is, just sitting there not being talked to. Right. Yeah. And, and then he looked very out of breath. Why not? If I were Jake, I would say, hey, get a breather. You deserve hey, it. Good, and great work on running so hard and making such a funny phase. Yeah. Um, uh, now do we want to look at the, uh, the clips package? Uh, there were two. Uh, after the 2018 season, MLB put out an official clips package of some of Williams Astadio's finest moments, which I think is it's worth noting that this is like a five minute clips package for a rookie. Um, obviously, he really made his presence known 
Um, but there were two clips that I wanted to call out here. The first one is of him as a catcher successfully throwing out a runner at third base, uh, but in the process, face planting uh, completely. There's a bunt. Ostadio fires to third. They get the force play. Good play, and Ostadio ends up flat on his stomach. They took a header right there. What a nice play by Ostadio. Yeah, just let absolutely him. onto his face. The momentum taking him forward. Oh, he kind of tripped over Jose Barrios, though. So, yeah, he does trip over Jose Barrios, uh, which is an understandable reason to fall flat on your face. But the way that he falls is so perfectly onto his tummy and face. You know, usually I think if you fall forwards, you go to the side a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing. You're laughing. It is just yeah. so incredibly yeah, straightforward. For sure. <laughs> He's just right on his dang face. And then after the fact, I think Barrios is maybe kind of giving him a hard time for the little collision, which is probably, I don't know whose fault it was exactly, like who's just, who, who who takes priority in that fielding play uh, on a, on a like, in-between or bunt, whether that's Astudios or whether that's Barrios's. Um, so, and I don't know, maybe uh, for an unrelated reason, Jose Barrios decided to throw a bunch of sunflower seeds at him. Um, but you can see him goofing him around in the dugout afterwards, and, and Barrios gets him with a handful of sunflower seeds. Astudio comes back. Uh, and threatens him with a whole bottle of water he's going to splash on his head. It's a cute moment. Uh, yeah. The other clip that I wanted to call out is just uh, the two catchers on the team, Estadio and Chris Jimenez, uh, bothering each other. We, I mean, we have to talk at some point. One thing that's extraordinary about Williams Estadio is his hair. Um, yeah. And it kind of runs contrary to this idea that he's an everyman, um, because he has a really, a, a really stunning head of hair. It's kind of hard to yes. describe, but... He has very, very long and very curly hair that makes his running highlights um, stand out because his hair flows mm-hmm. behind him so much, um, yeah. but also just, just generally makes him very striking to look at um, because it's very unusual. So anyway, Chris Jimenez is messing with his hair, and Estadio reaches out and makes fun of his bald head, um, and it's just a, a fun little flip. <laughs> he tries to take some of his own hair and give it to Chris Jimenez. Um, <laughs> Which is a funny joke, and then it's punctuated by him getting and riding on Chris Menace's back piggyback style. Yeah. Uh, just clearly, like, a lot of fun in this clubhouse. Uh, and, um, yeah, like you're mentioning, not a lot of rookies get uh, get these clips packages. No. Um, Nor do they honestly get this much respect in the clubhouse. Uh, on his, uh, obviously very comfortable there, and people like him enough to let him yeah. piggyback on them. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like he's just like a fun person, a fun energy to have in the clubhouse. For sure. I, I want to be his friend. Absolutely. Um, um, that uh, So the, the legend grows. He is uh, uh, fun to laugh with, fun to laugh at, uh, entertaining, different flavor of baseball player um, than we're used to seeing. Uh, and in the off season of 18, running up to 19, um, Williams is uh, uh, grabs the the viral camera again and points it firmly at himself as he um, is playing uh, winter ball uh, for his team, the Caribes de Anzoategui. Nice, and I do. That's good. Not bad. Uh, in Venezuela, um, and he hits himself a nice little home run and has a kind of an unorthodox celebrating moment. And resorts, Viven Grande. 
El batazo, amigos. Profundo, profundo. Esa bola, esa bola. ¡No! Um, in in preparation for this episode, I did rewatch this clip, but I didn't watch it with the audio. Um, you gotta watch it with the audio. You have to watch it with the audio. You're right. Not only is it fun to listen to on its own, it also gave me a rush of nostalgia as I remember now watching this clip 100 times when it happened. It's just so good. Like it's truly like that is the definitive way of pronouncing his name, and like I cannot hear read his name without hearing it pronounced in that way. Um, which is the, the main thing is that, um, that I think that there are some dialects of Spanish, which will like give like a soft J to a double L. Mm -hmm. Um, so he is astutillo in my head. Yep. Um, uh, the, the material of it is that Williams, uh, hits himself a home run down the line, um, and kneels on one knee in the batter's box and sits on the knob of his bat, like the rests his chin on the knob of his bat and waits for it to stay fair. Um. ESPN and their coverage of it claimed that he broke every unwritten rule of baseball, which I don't think is a fair assessment. No, there um, are more unwritten rules, actually. No, certainly, yeah. Um, but also, in his explanation of it, his telling of it, is that he uh, he thought that it was going to be foul. Um, and it was just kind of <laughs> chill- chilling to wait and see what the outcome of uh, that. Yeah, I mean, that's one way to wait and see. There's yeah. certainly some... Some heavy pimping of this home run occurring. That's demonstrative. I mean, after the fact, like, once he hits the home run, it's kind of like all bets are off, and he's like... Oh, yeah, he's hopping up and down around the bases. Beating his chest and everything, yeah. That's, so maybe Venez- that's Venezuelan baseball for you there. More emotive. And we love it, because we can't have it here, because people are spoil sports. It is disallowed here. But, you know, maybe that makes it more special. Certainly. Uh, yeah. Um... Running up to uh, opening day of 2019, uh, actually, maybe a few days past, uh, there was a, a Travis Sachik article posted to 538, um, in which Sachik uh, uh, refers to Astadio as an enigma, uh, for all the reasons that we've already talked about, that he doesn't strike out very much, also doesn't walk very much, and puts a ton of balls in play, um, uh, and, and this is kind of like the first in a long string of features written on Astadio. Uh, in 2019, especially as the twins got really hot, mm-hmm. um, uh, Williams became kind of a, a novelty sort of sideshow of that uh, uh, action. Um, uh, yeah, primarily because of that sort of uncanny ability to put balls in play. But uh, Travis also um, has a moment where he like he just has like the 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 sam- the statistic that you could possibly have like the smallest sample size for. Um, uh, which is to say that Astadio uh, led all qualified batters uh, uh, in history with a batting average of 382. Uh, Sachik's qualification for this was 100 plate appearances. Um, in, in in Astadio's first season, 2018, he had like 95 plate appearances. So uh, this article was filed like a week after opening day 19. Um, so Williams probably had like just crossed over 100 plate appearances when Travis Sachik uh compared him to ty cobb um he is not ty cobb he's not at all um the twins had a really great 2019 um they won 101 games uh but williams did not maintain that pace of hitting um 
He only it really, had really. Uh, yeah. I perhaps perhaps the expectations of him being the next Ty Cobb were overwrought. Oh, certainly. I I don't even I don't know that there were any expectations of him no, being I don't Ty think Cobb. So. I think People that was just, just a grab. it was a lot of it was more it was less predictive and more about enjoying his exceptional 2018 season. Sure, and why not? Um, you know, it, it obviously comes and goes very quickly. Um, it did kind of go. I mean, not even really. So, you know, he, he at that point, he had kind of cemented his status as folk hero. And I really don't think anybody can take that away from him. I think that he'll, he'll kind of go down in Twins history as that, regardless of how the rest of his career plays out. At very least, it'll be a trivia question. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the life of a super utility player is, is not an easy one. He is very much a bench role player. It doesn't really get a lot of action. He, in 2019, got 204 plate appearances um, and recorded a 269 batting average. Um, but his, uh, strikeout rate, uh, stayed pretty low at, uh, 3.9% on the season. Pretty good leading up to a, uh, very unfortunate, uh, 2020, which is where we meet him for his tater tut season in an already shortened season. Williams only saw action in eight games as he tested positive for COVID about two weeks before the season started. He missed summer camp. Um, and as a result, he missed out on a spot on the twins active roster. Yeah, Williams returned to action in the second half of a doubleheader against the Tigers um, on September 4th and played through to uh, September 12th to hit his lone home run of the season. Uh, it was a solo job. It was a back-to-back home run with Marwin Gonzalez off of uh, Zach Plesak in the bottom of the second of a game against Cleveland. This is what it sounded like. This is plugged out to left field. Mercado watching, and this is off the top of the wall and they say that it's a home run la tortuga his first of the year another one aaron jinxing you're jinxing mr plesak with these off-speed numbers let's do a hanging curveball to tortuga here ostadio and he hits it about an inch far enough to get a home run and a nice easy trot around the bases it really doesn't look much like a home run off the bat, or even as it's traveling. I love this kind of home run. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows it shows a particular skill, a particular kind of power, um, to just be able to drive a ball um, on a line that yeah, far. Yeah, it is. It is an extremely harm hit, hard hit line drive all the way out to left field. Bounces mm-hmm. way back into the field. Everyone initially thinks that it is in play, but it is subsequently ruled a home run. Um, this is this is the rarer kind of home run, and it it absolutely betrays like incredible power. You know, I think even a lot of major league baseball players don't have the ability to hit a line drive that far. This is uh, uh, two years to the day uh, after he uh, made that big run uh, from first to home, September twelfth, hey. two thousand and twenty. Hey. Congrats yep. to Williams! Happy anniversary, Williams! Happy anniversary uh, on his big day! Yeah, celebrate with your tater tot. Uh, the Twins would go on to win that game 8-4, to four, uh, but in the next two games, uh, Williams was optioned back to alternate training site, um, which I assume was the back in Rochester, because I think that that's how alternate training sites work this year. I think so, yeah. Uh, uh, the Twins won uh, the Central uh, this season. They kind of remain uh, pretty formidable in the AL Central. Um, yeah, good team. Good team now. 36-24. Um, uh, but they were swept out of the wildcard series uh, to nothing by the Houston Astros. 
and that uh, that was it for Williams. He didn't didn't get much done this season. No, and next uh, season. Hopefully, next season he'll have a lot less COVID and a lot more opportunities to play Major League Baseball. I hope so too. He'll be uh, thirty. No, I'm sorry about that. He won't. He he turns thirty next October. He has just turned twenty nine. One of the Happy incredible birthday. things about players signed out of uh, Latin America is that they can be in Major League Baseball for like fifteen years and be twenty eight years old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's free agency for you, baby. International free agency. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I don't want to say dubious because it's just bad. I guess that's it. It's just bad. It's simply bad. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, another Minnesota twin, Miguel Sano, kind of a cruel victim of the weird international free agency scheme. Yeah, I guess that's going to do it for us this week, though, huh? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> do you want to read the snake fact this week? Sure. Here's a helpful rhyme to assist you in remembering the difference between a poisonous coral snake and a non-poisonous scarlet king snake. If red touches yellow, it will kill a fellow. If red touches black, it's a friend of Jack. Don't know who Jack is. Uh, it's the, the person who wrote the rhyme. Yeah, I've heard actually several variations on this rhyme. I had never heard this Oh, you'd never heard this one before. <laughs> no, not even at all. Oh, I, I've not, I've not had any occasion to be on the lookout for coral snakes. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. I mean, if you ever need to be on the lookout for a coral snake, just make sure that red and the yellow portions of their scales are not touching one another. Honestly, I find it to be a very helpful rhyme, and I do think I would remember it if I encountered one of these snakes. It's a really simple one. It is useful. I'm not, I'm not trying to make too much fun of it. Yeah. Um, all right, well, that's going to do it for us this week on Tater Tots. Uh, hey, as always, you can donate to Baseball for All, uh, the link in our show notes. That's an initiative that gets girls involved in youth baseball programs around the country. It's very important. You can follow us on Twitter at Tater Tots Pod. You can like us uh, on the Facebook URL slash Tater Tots Pod. And you can email us, tatertotspod at gmail.com. Next week, we still have Oh, uh, we'll, we'll have to pick. Uh, you we'll know figure what? it out. You, you'll know when the episode goes up. You certainly will. All right. Um, good night, everybody. Bye.